everyone and another very warm welcome back to the Dr. Christian Heim podcast where we're living for mental health, love and compassion. It's great to have you join us again. My name is Caroline Heim and I'm sitting here with Dr. Christian Heim. Hello. And this week we're looking at part two of Your Amazing Brain. So what are we looking at today in this series? Today we're looking at getting a good dose of the right brain chemicals. Brain chemicals to make you feel good? Most definitely. It's all about feeling good. Okay, over to you. Right here and now, I want to talk to you about four brain chemicals. These four brain chemicals will help you feel good, content, and optimize life satisfaction and help prevent mental illness in your life. Fortunately, these four brain chemicals dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphin, spell out the word dose. So that's why I want you to get a good dose of these brain chemicals. Dopamine mediates our experience of pleasure. Oxytocin mediates our experience of love and trust. Serotonin mediates that feeling of calm and contentment. And endorphins are basically nature's own analgesia. It's a painkiller. So I'm going to go through all of those and talk about how they work in the brain and what you can do to optimize them. But first of all, I just want to let you know that these do not work separately. Also, their roles are not as clearly delineated as I'll put it here. They all work together. Your brain is actually a big chemical soup and it all works as a unity. But when we research it, we kind of break it down to these parts so we have more of an idea of what's going on. All right, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin and endorphins. Let's start off with dopamine. Dopamine mediates our feelings of pleasure. Anything that gives us pleasure is mediated by dopamine. Things like sex, food, being with people, having thrills, or basically anything that we enjoy releases dopamine. Now, dopamine is also used in movement, uh, in memory, in thought, and it gives you that feeling that you have to really feel alive. Dopamine is made in a part of the limbic system of the brain called the ventral tegmental area, and it is experienced in the nucleus accumbens. But no need to remember that. There won't be a test on this at the end. But here's one thing. Pleasure helps us remember things. It is the most pleasurable things or the most painful things that really help your memory. For example, you will remember your 21st birthday better than you do your 23rd or your 19th, assuming that you had a bit more of a birthday on that day or you will remember the first kiss you ever had, uh, rather than the third, the fourth, or the 15th kiss that you ever had. Pleasure evolved in our brains so that we could learn. We evolved to like pleasure and avoid pain. And this is what nature does with pleasure. It links it to purpose. For example, the pleasure of food is there because food is nutritious for us and it's good for our survival. Or if you've spent a day or two in the desert and you're really thirsty, that 
first burst of water that you get is going to be so pleasurable for you because it's so good for your survival. Sex feels so amazingly pleasurable because it's through sex that Mother Nature gets another chance to spawn another generation. And the other thing that really we get rewarded a lot for is spending time with other people, socializing, being connected, having friends. Why? Because that's all good for our collective survival. Let's face it, we're either going to survive together or we're not. Here's where we get ourselves into trouble with pleasure. We try to isolate the pleasure and take it away from the purpose. So for example, we like the pleasure of sweet food. So what we do is we invent artificial sweetness so we can have the pleasure without having to have the calories or the purpose of food. But the trouble is that some sweeteners are linked to cancers, stroke, and Alzheimer's risk, and so we have to pay for that isolation. For thousands and thousands of years, we've been trying to isolate the pleasure of sex without the purpose that goes on with it. So in other words, offspring and being in long-term relationships. And when we do that, we often end up miserable. And the ultimate pleasure experience is, of course, drugs. Drugs like amphetamines and cocaine get into the reward pathway of your limbic system and it basically mucks it around because what we want is the pleasure without any purpose. And there is no purpose in drugs except the pleasure itself. Unfortunately, we often end up miserable. Okay. Now, marketing psychologists know how dopamine works. They know how much pleasure we like to have. So every ringtone, every image that pops up on the screen is designed to release some dopamine in your system because that'll bring you back to that screen. It'll bring you back to that website time and time again. And it's ultimately what leads to things like internet addiction. All right. So here's the take-home message for dopamine. Dopamine mediates pleasure, but nature links it to a purpose. So if you link your pleasure to a purpose, then you've got a winning combination for your brain. For example, you will get money if you've put in effort for it. That's the purpose. The job is the purpose, then you get rewarded with money. If you can do your university assignments and study before getting onto the internet, then you're kind of linking pleasure and purpose. Do the purpose of the study before you reward yourself with the internet. All right, and also drinks with colleagues at work feel much better on a Friday night after a week's work rather than Monday morning first thing. Because once you've had the purpose of work, you can reward yourself with the pleasure. By doing this, you learn more, you give your life meaning, and you rewire your brain to enjoy much more pleasure. And more than anything, this helps prevent mental illness. Now, I'm going to add one more thing to that. Our greatest pleasure is actually the pleasures of being with other people, with friends, with your lover, with your family, when things are going right, anything you do together with people feels so much better. So link your pleasure with purpose, with people, and enjoy life with somebody. All right, 
That's dopamine. That's number one. D-O-S-E, dose. Let's go to number two, which is O for oxytocin. Oxytocin has been called the love drug, the hug drug, and it mediates our feelings of love, tenderness, and trust. Oxytocin is produced in your hypothalamus and released by your pituitary gland, and it's there whenever you are with your partner, friends, colleagues, families, even with strangers. Now, I want you to think of a business situation. When you've made a purchase or you've clinched a deal, right at that point where there's a handshake, that is trust. Right there, you feel good. You feel as though you have touched another person in a way of trust. And that feeling is mediated by oxytocin. All right, birthing suites are full of oxytocin. In fact, it's where we first learnt about oxytocin because oxytocin gives the signal to a pregnant woman's body that it's time to start this birthing process thing. Oxytocin also mediates that feeling of joy and strong love that a mother feels after they have gone through a lot of pain to give birth, and then they're overwhelmed by joy, the joy of new life and the joy of an offspring that they would die for. That strong feeling of love before you get to know this baby is mediated by oxytocin. Uh, and just as an aside, oxytocin also mediates uh, what's called a letdown. Uh, when a woman hears the baby cry and then feels her breasts being engorged with milk, that is all mediated by oxytocin. But I want to tell you how romantic some scientists can be. And to do that, I want to take you back about 10, 14 years to a scientist who decided to make her wedding day a big scientific experiment. What she wanted to show was the more love that you feel, the higher the oxytocin levels are in your blood. And this is how she did it. She was getting married. She said to her friends, come along to my marriage, but don't give me any gifts. Give me your blood. So this is how it went. Country wedding, out, in a beautiful place, in the morning, people show up. All her friends, all of her relatives. First thing she does is she gets some lab assistants to take blood from everybody. Okay, so that becomes a baseline, what they were like in the morning. Then they go through the normal things for a wedding. A bit of socializing, a bit of mucking around, then gathering together under a beautiful tree and waiting, hearing some beautiful music, and then seeing a car arrive with a scientist as a bride and her father getting out of the car, taking a walk down an aisle to some music, listening to music, listening to some readings, listening to some of the life story of these two people, and then going through vows. And just when somebody's about to say, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Stop everything. More blood. Along come the lab assistants. Blood from everybody. Okay, so now we've got another vial of blood. Why at that point? Because that's the point 
where two people are committing themselves together to be attached, to belong together. And it brings up really strong feelings in everybody. And if there's going to be anything shown about oxytocin levels, that's the point. So that's why she chose that. All right, so let's go to the results. The biggest rise in oxytocin was in her, the scientist. A wedding is a bride's day. Then her friends who came along, they had a rise in oxytocin as well. Her family had a bigger rise in oxytocin. Her close family, like her siblings and particularly her mum, had an even bigger rise in oxytocin. And there was only one other person that had a larger rise in oxytocin than anybody except the bride herself. And that was the groom. And just as well he had that rise in oxytocin because if he didn't, he would not live it down for the rest of his life. Okay, but what the scientists did was show that the more love that is being felt, the closer you got to that moment of a wedding emotionally, the higher your blood level of oxytocin. And these were published in a study of 2009. So it shows that oxytocin is right there with our feelings of love. When we get attracted to somebody, the initial attraction may be mediated by sex hormones such as testosterone and estrogen. But when we move from attraction to attachment, that's when the oxytocin really kicks in. And when people who are in love make love, they feel not only the pleasure of dopamine released at that stage, but they also feel a surge in oxytocin because they are expressing their love for one another. So here's a take home message about oxytocin. Take care of your long-term relationships. Take care of a relationship if you're in one with your partner. Take care of your relationships with your parents. Take care of relationships with your children, with your siblings, with your colleagues, and even with people who are strangers. And this is what I mean by this. When you look a stranger in the eye, or you just have some encouraging words for somebody, or you just have a supportive touch, or you help somebody out who's lost their way, oxytocin rises in you and them. That trust that we have, even with strangers, raises oxytocin levels, and it's really a good feeling, and it's good for the brain, and it helps prevent mental illness. So, Love your partner, love your family, love your friends and your fellow people. And you're doing the best that you can to optimize oxytocin in your brain. Oh my gosh, I've only gone through dopamine and oxytocin. Now I get on to serotonin, D-O-S. Serotonin is calm, content, relax, chill. You may have heard about selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. This is the name of the medications that psychiatrists like myself use to battle a world of depression and anxiety. You see, because we live in a world of stress, productivity, key performance indicators, bottom lines, time pressures, financial pressures, social pressure, family pressure, the fear of other people, the fear of missing out and fear of the future. All this stress 
releases stress hormones. I suppose that's not surprising. And it puts us into fight or flight mode. The stress hormones include adrenaline, noradrenaline, and cortisol. And they do several things. One of them is they suppress serotonin. They also suppress our immunity. Now, the thing is that all of us are producing cancer cells every second, but our immune system is so good that the cancer cells get taken out, destroyed, killed, straight away, okay? If we're under the chronic stress of a world of stress, then our immune system doesn't work quite as well. Perhaps not all cancer cells get taken out when they should be. What I've just done is giving you a mechanism as to how the stress of modern day living could cause cancers. However, our immune systems normally are much better than this and we get to feel better because of serotonin when we have the stress taken off us. Now, just for completeness, I've got to let you know that most of the serotonin of the body actually resides in your gut and it kind of mediates digestive processes, particularly intestinal movements. But the 10% that's made in your brain is made in what's called the RAFE nuclei. They're called RAFE nuclei because they're red. They're in the brain stem. It's near the reticular formation. It's a very ancient part of us. It's been part of us for many, many, many years. Uh, in the pineal gland, serotonin gets converted to melatonin to help us sleep. But serotonin helps us feel in control, centered, at home, calm. Life is going well. It does some other things like mediate our appetite, sleep and learning and thinking. But that's what I want you to think about at the moment. And the biggest thing that you can do to get the serotonin flowing is to breathe. Whenever you get too stressed out, just stop, take a moment, breathe in and breathe out. If you did that 10 or 15 times, you would already be getting stress out of you and more serotonin in you. Serotonin gives you that feeling of, ah, I'm in control. I can chill. I'm calm. I'm at home. When you're at home, you feel that you're in control, that you can relax. When you're at home with some of your relationships, you get that feeling of serotonin. You see, when serotonin levels go low, we start feeling anxious or depressed or lonely. So if you have people around you that make you feel at home and you make other people feel at home, you keep your serotonin levels going and you help prevent loneliness and mental illness. And you get to feel at home. All right, let's go on to number four. D-O-S-E, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin. Number four, endorphins. You've probably all heard of beta endorphin. It's something that you can have when you exercise a lot. Uh, a run is high, you may be uh, running a lot or rowing a lot or swimming a lot, and then you feel this rush of 
feel-good analgesia, that all of a sudden something's kicked in to bring your pain levels down. That's what we call beta endorphin. I'm going to look at the word endorphin because it's a very interesting word. It comes from two words, endo, which is the Latin word for inside, and morphine, which is a synthetic substance that we use to keep people out of pain. So when you take endo and morphins and put it together, you come up with endorphins. Now it's called beta endorphins because there's also alpha endorphin and gamma endorphin and delta endorphin and all of these different types of endorphin. Look, there must be more than 20. And it's made in the pituitary gland and it's made in response to stress and pain and it makes you feel good. Here's what I want to let you know. Exercise is not the most important way to get your dose of endorphins. It's actually laughter and spending time with people. Norman Cousins wrote this lovely little book called The Anatomy of an Illness, and he had a terrible spinal degenerative disease that kept him in pain. And what he found was that if he could have 10 minutes of a really good belly laugh, that would keep him out of pain for two hours, no pills. 10 hours of laughing feels great. Two hours of being out of pain feels even better. What he showed was that laughter through endorphins leads to a decrease of pain. Whenever we're with other people, we have a release of endorphins. When you play with other people, when you sing together with other people, when you make music together with other people, when you dance together with other people, when you drum together with other people. Now, I know this sounds a bit strange, but every now and again, at some social occasion, I will bring out four or five drums and uh, some other percussion equipment, and I'll get people who have never made music before playing along just just for the fun of it, okay? We'll sing and we will drum together and it just feels good. And one of the reasons that it feels good is it because it releases endorphins in all of us, okay? This is why playing a game like Canasta with people feels so much better than playing solitaire on a mobile device. I've got a little theory as to why this is. You see, as a musician, I used to play in an orchestra. An orchestra is about 100 musicians together playing different instruments, all for the sake of performing something like a symphony. Now, let's say I'm playing clarinet and I'm playing along and there's this little solo bit that's coming up, right? But my arthritis in my knee and my ankles is just caning. It's just killing me, all right? Well, it's actually not in my interest or anybody else's interest for me to get up and say, sorry, guys. I can't do this solo bit, uh, I'm in too much pain, okay? So what I believe nature does is when it knows that you are interacting with other people, it will give you a natural morphine, endorphins, to keep you there with other people because it is good for what you are doing with other people. And here's a, the clincher, it's actually good for collective survival. So my body gives me an endorphin to get rid of that pain so I can be with other people. And this, is why being with other people feels so good. Uh, also to let you know that uh, being in love 
and having sex also releases endorphins. In fact, studies have shown that 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 initial giddy feeling of being in love, when you kind of feel a bit out of control, but wow, it feels nice, I'm in love, that's mediated by endorphins. Same in sex, that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm just being overwhelmed here. And you actually feel that you have an increased pain tolerance when you are sexually aroused and sexually active. That's all mediated by endorphins. But the take home message is this, to get endorphins, laugh, play, be a part of an audience, because whenever people clap together or they laugh together, uh, as in a comedy club, or they cry together at the theater, all that contagious feeling is mediated by endorphins. But connect to people. We are social creatures, and it's our collective survival that becomes very important. So stay connected somehow with the people around you. Now, you can tell that I'm hammering home this message of take care of the people around you. And there's a good reason for it, because it really is very good for our collective survival. It's good to help us get on with each other in society, but it also makes us feel so good as individuals. The dopamine mediates the pleasure And one of the biggest pleasures is being with other people. Oxytocin mediates that feeling of hug and love and trust. And that is directly in the context of other people. Serotonin mediates that feeling of calm and contentment and being at home. And that just feels so good when you're getting on with other people. And endorphins It's not just the exercise by yourself. It is sharing, it is laughing, and it is playing together like children. So take care of your relationships to get the optimum dose of these four brain chemicals. Dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. And then you're doing the most that you can to take care of your amazing brain. Well, I'm hoping to get a good dose of dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins by spending more time with some of the people around me. Next time, you're sure to hear about our amazing mind. So please join us next time.